Let's get down to business. Welcome to Profits and Purpose, a Colorado Business Roundtable production that unapologetically tells the story that business is good through conversations with Colorado's business leaders. Please welcome your host, the president of the Colorado Business Roundtable, Debbie Brown. Hey, thanks everyone for joining us at Colorado Business Roundtable. Today, we're very honored to have our, as our guest, Dan Nordberg, who is with the Small Business Administration. And many of us know Dan from his work when he was a legislator here in Colorado and making laws, and now he's working at the federal level. Dan, before we jump into all the details today, tell us a little bit more about your story and how you ended up at the SBA. Yeah, no, thanks, Debbie. Good morning, and thanks again for having me. Just by back by way of background for me, Colorado native, uh, grew up in Colorado, grew up in Greenwood Village, uh, went to Cherry Creek High School, did college at Colorado State. You know, over the years, got involved in the world of politics, uh, was elected to the Colorado legislature, where I had the privilege to represent Northern Colorado Springs for five years. And shortly after President Trump's election, began fielding some inquiries and some some phone calls about my potential interest in joining the administration and had always been really interested and in, in, had always enjoyed working with the Small Business Administration and just the mission of serving America's 30 million small businesses and, and really just doing what we can from a government perspective to create an environment that's conducive for innovation and entrepreneurship. And I knew with this administration that would be at the forefront of the policies that they were going to be implementing. So um, about a year in after the president was elected, was offered the position of regional administrator for SBA for the Rocky Mountain states, accepted that position and, and have been doing that the past two years now. You know, we just talked last week and so appreciate all that you've brought to that position. Specifically, you know, you've been in, in business yourself before you were elected to the state legislature. You worked on lots of business bills while you were an elected official. So I would say that it, like you said, it was probably a really perfect fit considering your background. You know, yeah, it, it was honestly one of those that, while it was tough to leave my service representing the Northern Colorado Springs and the State House, it, it was just a no-brainer, truly, to assume that position based on some of the work I had done, some of the relationships that had been established, and, and also, again, with the understanding that this was going to be an administration that really put business at the forefront um, and all of the policies that we were going to be doing and laying the, work, the framework for what, what has been just a fantastic economy. So it's been a it's been a great ride and a great two years. Well, and even, you know, I, I won't get into Cherry Creek High School, but that's fun that you mentioned that. Of course, yeah. I'm a Cherry Creek High School mom or used to be. Yeah. So that's very fun. And um, especially having someone from Colorado represent the region. Tell everybody what states you represent as part of the Region 8 administrator. Yeah. So for the Small Business Administration, the, the regions are broken out in uh, 10 across the country. So we have 10 regions across SBA for the entire country. The Rocky Mountain region, which I have the privilege to oversee, is Wyoming, Montana, North Dakota, South Dakota, Utah, and Colorado. It is the most rural region in the country. A lot of geography, a lot of windshield time. But the people out west and just the the level of innovation and entrepreneurship that we see, I mean, it's a true privilege to really work in those states and and work with all the people in them. Well, and Dan, I know you spend a lot of time on the road and... You know, I'm curious before we get into kind of the new normal of what you're dealing with with the SBA, what were some of the bigger challenges thinking about your mission, um, everything from access to capital, developing entrepreneurship, coaching businesses, in particular on government contracting. This was sort of your bread and butter, perhaps January 2020 and looking ahead to the year. Mm -hmm. 
what were your biggest challenges sort of if you if you can even think back to like what January was like, what were the bigger mission objectives for the SBA at that time? Sure. Well, and, and you know, even in light of a record breaking economy that uh, that we were certainly going through, there were still challenges. We certainly in some of the rural markets, unemployment was a little varied depending on perhaps impact from the coal industry. Access to capital was always a challenge, regardless if you're in an urban or rural setting. Those are some of the challenges that we were working on intensively because of the rural nature of Region 8, really making sure that whether you're in a small community or a large town, that you still had the access to services and capital that anyone and anywhere other population center had. Obviously, now we're at a transition point. Pretty much everything that the administration and the SBA will be working on from this point forward is going to be a response to coronavirus. Tell me this, I don't mean to interrupt, but when was that first on the radar for the SBA? Because it's almost like this black swan event, and I haven't gone back and thought about, okay, when did this hit my radar as something to be concerned about? I'm curious when you had your first meeting at the SBA sure. where you said, oh my gosh, this pivots everything. I don't yeah. know if that, if that was a, something that you can recall. Yeah, no, I think I think one little known fact about SBA is that we actually are very much involved in disaster response for a number of items. So whether that's natural disasters, such as tornadoes, wildfire, SBA has a very large disaster component that we come into communities and assist those communities following those natural impacts. With respect to coronavirus, this is a little different. I mean, obviously, this is the first time that our agency is responding to a biological event, a pandemic. This has been on our radar for some time. We had begun having conversation months ago about the potential impact to the economy. I think there, like everybody, there was a level of uncertainty as to what impact this would have on the country. However, we plan for the worst case scenario in everything we do. So those conversations, how we might be able to provide assistance to small business owners, what disruptions in the supply chain may look like. While this may be a first for us in responding to a biological event, it's not the first for us in responding to a disaster event. So those preparations have been going for some time. And then certainly with some of the recent actions that Congress has taken, which really prescribe SBA's role and delegate to us as to how we're to respond We've been implementing those at breakneck pace, and that's truly, I think, for the last month, um, certainly, and and more. We've laid the foundation for the last month. We've really been putting in place what Congress is delegating to us in terms of our response. And that probably is really the question that would be on everybody's mind who's listening to this podcast, Dan, is what resources um, are out there for small businesses? And for the SBA, you define small businesses as those who have under 500 employees. Is that still the accurate statement? Yeah, you know, generally that's correct, Debbie. There are some variations depending on what industry you're in. And we utilize a size standard in those instances to determine eligibility. But overall, for more, most instances, it is 500 or less. So businesses are, you know, there's not only a health pandemic, right, but the fallout and panic within the business community, I would say large and small, you know, is is something that we've never seen in in modern times. And of course, it's not just region eight, it's national, it's global. Um, What would you first say, I guess, to businesses to kind of take a deep breath? Like, how do they find the resources to even just know what their options are? You know, I think there's a couple options. And and certainly we're encouraging small business owners that in preparation for this, I know a lot of businesses we were in consultation with just in terms of talking to your suppliers. There's obviously going to be disruptions in the supply chain. 
Make sure that you have continuity plans to ensure that your staff is aware of the hierarchy. And if certain people aren't able to get to the office, as well as working with your lender on the terms that you've already established for some of the loans and lines of credit, make sure to see what flexibility is offered, what deferment possibilities there are, some of those initial conversations. Now we're really transitioning to kind of a new phase. Those preliminary conversations, for the most part, have been had. Many small businesses have done their planning, but we're now looking at a, a, a really a need for working capital, making sure that small businesses, in light of this new kind of normal of social distancing and some of the government shutdowns and closures, that they're able to still survive and get through this immediate time frame. So we have a couple programs at SBA that I want to make sure small businesses are aware of. First, our Economic Injury Disaster Loan Program. This was authorized by Congress just a few weeks ago from the Coronavirus Preparedness and Response Supplemental Appropriation. And it authorized SBA to utilize our Economic Injury Disaster Loan Program, something that's traditionally, again, used for natural disaster response. It authorized us to use it for small businesses who have been adversely impacted by coronavirus. This is a working capital loan available to small businesses as well as private nonprofits. And the interest rates on that is at 3.75%. So that's the cap. It's maxed at 3.75% for small business. It's 2.75% for nonprofits. So, and the terms for those go out to 30 years. So there is some flexibility for small business owners in terms of the repayment schedule. In terms of uses for it, it really is a working capital loan. Pretty much you can utilize it for any allowable business expense or expense that you would have been normally able to make had it not been for the impact of coronavirus. Mm-hmm. So that's one program. And Dan, let me really? ask you on that, just for yeah. context, 2.75 over 30 years, that's like if I were to get a mortgage right now, you know, that's yeah. a mortgage payment potentially or a mortgage loan terms. Right. What, for context, what would the loan have been pre that um, initiative? Yeah, you know, so these are, are traditional for our disaster loan programs. We do try, the interest rate is kept low intentionally because of the impact and severity of the impact to the impacted area. So the 3.75%, that's actually statutorily prescribed. So that is a, a maximum interest rate. And we generally keep those low, again, because of the severity of the impact of the area. Thank you. And then I know you were going to tell me about another one. I was curious which ones might have been put in place with the phase three stimulus or what's coming on that. But perhaps that's where you were headed next. That's certainly the economic injury disaster loan program is one utilizing more or less an existing program that SBA had, but authorizing it to respond to a pandemic for biological response. So Congress recently just passed as part of the phase three stimulus, the CARES Act. And one major component of that legislation is the Paycheck Protection Program. This is more or less an employee retention loan program to help small businesses keep their payrolls intact and keep those people salaried and employed, um, especially until we get through some of these difficult times. What it does is it utilizes a formula for small businesses to determine the maximum amount of the loan. And it's utilized based or the formula is dictated based on the average monthly salary from the year prior, then you multiply that by two and a half. So that's how you determine the maximum loan for your small business. Then once that loan is put in place after the origination of the loan, there would be a loan forgiveness function of the Paycheck Protection Program 
where for the eight-week period following origination, the monies utilized for payroll purposes would be forgiven after eight weeks. So this is not a long-term loan. You can certainly amortize. There will be an extra amount after you've done the formula that will need to be amortized, and that can be done up to 10 years. That's to give flexibility for repayment. But the main function is really employee retention and making sure that there is a loan forgiveness in place so that these employers who desperately want to keep their employees on the payroll can do so and hopefully get them to a smoother time as we enter the summer months and hopefully we'll get a better handle on the pandemic situation. It's interesting thinking about the business community and how that must give them some comfort because it seems like what we're seeing right now is the increase in unemployment claims and especially small businesses, perhaps in hospitality and travel and, you know, other industries that are feeling the pain even more. Are you getting a good response, Dan, from those small businesses in particular, that they're willing to take the risk of keeping employees on the payroll rather than seeking some other contraction of their employee base? I think the one thing that we're seeing throughout this is really the spirit of American innovation and entrepreneurship. The business owners, especially as you referenced, hospitality and service industry, are are suffering an extraordinary tough time right now. However, these people are doing everything in their power to keep their employees on payroll, to make sure that they're doing right by the people that have made them successful. And so through this program, through the Paycheck Protection Program, it provides a temporary relief. This is not a long-term measure. It's a temporary measure to provide some level of loan forgiveness so that employers are, are more or less rewarded for retaining those employees. However, you know, further innovation, further consultation, figuring out long-term strategies, that's going to be next steps in conversations. And we're having those right now in those respective industries. But I think we're all hopeful. We don't know how this pandemic is going to play out necessarily, but we are already seeing the foundation laid for businesses that are innovating and working with their employers and doing everything they can with the government, with private industry, with charitable, you know, charitable organizations to really weather the storm and get through this. And I think we all, we will get through this together. Um, And it's been really encouraging to see the collaboration and just, again, the spirit that has come out from this community. It's really impressive. Well, and you hear stories of that innovation every day of businesses that are retooling manufacturing facilities or you know, rethinking their business plans so they can bring some new product to fit a market need, whether it's face masks or ventilators, car companies, that kind of thing. So Dan, one of the tricky things I would think for your business is while this program sounds like a really important bridge to get us Mm -hmm. through this health crisis and then back to kind of the roaring economy that we were experiencing before, how do you you facilitate that when, when a lot of your employees are probably working virtually? How do you help facilitate this policy to businesses, you know, I suspect there's probably a rush of demand. And, mm-hmm. you know, what is your office doing to, to, to make sure they're available or to, to scale up to make sure they're meeting that demand? Yeah, that's a great question, Debbie. And I think the great thing about the Paycheck Protection Program is that the interface for small business owners to apply and really proceed with that program is through private lenders. And that's an important caveat to note, because the existing relationships that these small business owners have with lenders, you know, these are longstanding. These are longstanding relationships. And so the lender is really going to be the interface. And that's a good thing because we need to leverage private industry now more than ever to help get funds and finances out to these small business owners in as expeditious manner as possible. So for us, this is a $350 billion loan program. 
This was passed on Friday. We are going to probably have the rules and the processes and the procedures out on how this works by um, the end of the week, which is almost unprecedented. We are working with the trade associations. We are working with private lenders, credit unions, farm credit institutions, everyone we can to really spread the word and lay the foundation so that once the processes and the guidelines are released by SBA, that we can just get going and get the capital out to the small businesses that need it. I talked about private partnerships, private-public partnerships. One other thing we're doing is leveraging relationships with very successful private industry components. We've been working with Amazon. We've been working with Google. We've been working with Rocket Mortgage. We recognize that there is going to be an incredible need in terms of processing, underwriting, web functionality, that as the government, we're just not necessarily prepared to take on right off the bat. but through those relationships and through that support and leveraging private industry, we are definitely ramping up in an unprecedented manner and something that I'm really proud of, quite frankly. I think it's a, it's at the end of the day, there will certainly be some hiccups. This is a massive government program, but the foundation is putting in place for, I think, a very successful endeavor. That's actually really good news, Dan. I feel like, to your credit, you know, understanding the free markets and what they can bring to solve problems quickly in partnership with government is really you know, probably the best case scenario right now. If government felt like they had to institute every segment of it, I think you're right, there would be a bottleneck, but you're utilizing systems and and scale to a degree that will help get the money quickly to the small businesses. That's correct. And that's very intentional. We all recognize the urgency. We're wanting to make sure that our folks, our listeners, our business community have access to your resources. I suspect your website has all of that outlined pretty clearly for business. Yeah, thanks again, Debbie. For some of the um, aforementioned programs that I referenced during the podcast today, would encourage everybody to go to sba.gov forward slash disaster. There you'll get a good sampling of all of our economic injury and, and disaster small business loans available. As it pertains to the Paycheck Protection Program, I know that's really the hot topic for this week. The guidance, again, will be coming from out from the agency probably by the end of the week. I'm thinking Friday. As soon as that guidance is available, the best way to initiate that conversation is by going to your private lender and seeing your eligibility and seeing what you might what might be best for your small business. So, again, that interface will be with your private lender. But for other information, go to SBA.gov. Perfect. One of the things that we're um, keeping a tab on is we're an affiliate of the National Business Roundtable, and they're very in tune with what's going on at the federal level from, um, you know, discussions with the White House, discussions with Congress. And one of the things, just kind of one last question for you, Dan, is, you know, I've already heard talk of a stimulus phase four, phase five, phase six, Mm -hmm. you know, that this isn't a short term solution just with phase three that you're still busy implementing and putting together procedures on. Mm -hmm. Do you have a sense of what's next? What might be coming down? I mean, uh, if you had your crystal ball, like what, what are the discussions in the SBA for next month and the month after? You know, I, I can tell you just from us at the SBA now, it's really, it's it's focused on the here and now and implementing what Congress has given just over the past few weeks. I mean, last year we did close to $25 billion in lending. We just got $350 billion thrown at us to implement this new program. That's where the focus is now, implementation. However, I w- I'm speculating at this point, but I think it is fair to say that members of Congress and, and certainly as you talk to legislators and and members of both parties, that there will probably be additional legislation considered, certainly uh, as it pertains to small business in the coming months. I think the entire month of April, Congress Congress will be taking adjournment or will be adjourning, but 
As to the future, yes, I think we can expect legislation. As to what that looks like, I can't say. Well, we appreciate your time today. As you know, the Business Roundtable is an unapologetic voice for the business community, and we like to tell the story that business is good in lots of aspects. And one of the ways business can be good is if they can afford to keep getting through this this health pandemic on the other side and let the free markets churn once again. Right. And Dan, just want to um, tell us the website one more time, and then we'll wrap up. SBA.gov. So for thanks, Debbie, for additional information on SBA products and loan services, go to www.sba.gov. Again, that's www.sba.gov. Dan Nordberg, I uh, just want to thank you again for your time joining us today on, with the Colorado Business Roundtable podcast. And we're grateful for what you've been able to do. Uh, you know, it's such a sacrifice to be someone who works in these administrations, particularly now and know that you're on call 24-7 for the American people, and particularly for Region 8 in Colorado. And we just want to thank you for your time, and uh, we're rooting for you and and all your team, and appreciate all the work that you do on behalf of small business. Well, thank you, Debbie, and thanks for the continued collaboration and partnership with the Colorado Business Roundtable. I mean, truly the relationship that we have with you and the support that you provide for small businesses is truly appreciated. And as we get through this time, I think partnerships are going to be of the utmost importance as we move forward. So we'll look forward to continued conversations as to how we can continue to help the small business economy moving forward. Talk to you soon, Dan. Thanks for the time. This has been a presentation of the Colorado Business Roundtable. Be sure to check out all of our episodes on Podcatchers Everywhere at cobrt.com. Our technical producer is John Ekstrom, Deaf Communications. Thank you for listening to Profits and Purpose.